Amen. Thank you so much, Kyle. I'm stoked about Easter. Um, Easter's is one of my favorite Sundays of the whole year. Yes, I said Easter's because that's not what Nacho Libre says, and that's just my favorite gospel movie out there. Um, but I'm excited about that morning. I bought a new suit coat for, it's somewhat pink-ish. It works. I put it on yesterday, and I'm like, I felt the power in that color. So I am stoked about Easter Sunday morning. It's going to be a fantastic, fantastic day. If you have your Bibles, Acts 2. Uh, you can automatically go to Acts chapter 2 as we dive into um, part 2 of our series called The Room Where It Happens. If you missed last week, you should listen to last week as we really built up the awareness of the Spirit of God moving from cover to cover, Genesis all the way through Revelation, uh, we just see that the Spirit of God has always been working, hovering, moving. Um, I mean, the New Testament, we, we see him all, like a dove descending, and the Old Testament, we start off in Genesis, he's hovering almost like a hummingbird, got like a bird theme going on here. Uh, but we've just, we, we just wanna talk about the work of the Spirit of God and to do more than just hear about the Spirit of God moving and working in lives. We want to be in the room where it's happening. And more specifically, um, we, want to, we don't just want to be in the room where it's happening. We want this, our lives, become the room where the Spirit of God is working. And I wrote it this way. We go into the upper room to become an upper room. We go into the upper room. We go into a place where the Spirit of God is working in order that we ourselves would become upper rooms, places where the Spirit of God descends, where the Spirit of God falls, where the Spirit of God works and, and develops a fresh movement and a fresh wind, a fresh fire, a fresh direction and a fresh vision. It is my heart that we would be a Spirit-led, Spirit-anointed and a Spirit-filled people. So let me read Acts chapter two. I'm just gonna stick with verses one through four for now. Um, just for the text people, I may get to the other ones. Bear with me. You guys are so patient with me. God bless you guys. Um, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were together in one place. Suddenly there came the sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared on them uh, to them and rested on each one of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, Lord Jesus, it is my desire that we would be a people ready to be filled by you. It is my desire, God, our desire that we would have a greater understanding of who you are and the way that you work in our lives. And so, Lord, I just speak, Lord, I speak openness. I speak grace upon every listener, everybody watching, everybody um, engaging in today's message. I pray that we would see this moment in the upper room, God, and see that we are candidates for that as well. Because, Lord, we want to come into the upper room that we ourselves, that our lives would become an upper room, a place that you would fill a place that you would transform and a place that you would use. Bless us, Lord, encourage us and help us to leave here this differently than the way that we walked in. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I am an eclectic individual. Um, I am a sports fanatic. You, some of you found out last week, I love, um, I love drama not bringing drama, but, but I, like, um, I like movies, I like plays, I like Broadway. I'm extremely eclectic. Um, I like cars. I feel like I can connect with anybody. If you're into cars, I think I can connect with you. You're into movies, I can connect with you. Um, if you're into uh, country music, I can connect you to a counselor. There's, 
I could connect almost with anybody in the room and I, I, I don't, I'm just eclectic that way. I'm different that way. And one of the things that you may not know about me is I'm a comic book nerd. I love comic stuff. Um, I'm 45, like grow up. No, I love, love just comic book stuff. I grew up on comic book stuff. And I think part of it is when you're just a shy little introverted boy, you just pray that superpower consumes you and you get to stand out never happened. So I just grew up on comics. And so it's something that my son and I have gotten into for years is like, I gave him all my comic books. We go to any type of comic book movie. Uh, we sit there with absolute judgment. When you guys are enjoying the movie, we are digesting on how accurate it was to the comics. And so the Pharisees you read about in the Bible, that's me and Ethan during comic book movies, just the way that we are. And a classic comic book character is the character Shazam. Now Shazam has not been able to get out of my head since my brother-in-law challenged me to use that into a message a couple weeks ago. And I'll shout out to John and Jen who are getting married soon. My brother-in-law is engaged, so we're excited for them. Um, but he said use it, so it's been stuck in my head. So I had to watch the movie Shazam all over again. And if you're unfamiliar with Shazam, who is also known by, anybody know his other name? Somebody said over there, they get, they get the Pop-Tart. Captain Marvel, which creates confusion because he's not a Marvel company character. So they had to change his name. There's litigation and drama that I won't draw you into. Uh, but Shazam is really the story about a, a, um, an orphan, a foster child. And this foster child, his name is Billy Batson. And there is a champion that is needed. And so in the story, this is not biblical. This is not true. All right. So this like wizard summons Billy Batson and wants to give him the power, make him this eternal, this warrior of all eternity. <laughs> That's Jesus, pastor. I know that. I believe that. It's just a comic. Come on, guys. And wants to give him this power. And so he wants to give him the power of seven mythical characters. He put those seven people up there. Uh, the, the, strength, the wisdom of Solomon, the strength of Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, Mercury, and they have the, the power of these seven mythical characters in one person. And if you're like, why those seven? Because if you look at the first letters of each one of those names, it spells what? Shaz Good, man, you guys are into it with me today. You get Shazam. Some of you, your mind is blown. You never knew why he was named that whatsoever. But I want you to understand something about the name Shazam and why it has really stuck out with me because um, I did what any human being would do when they hear a name that they like, they Google search it and they decide to look it up. And the name Shazam means this. It is used to introduce an extraordinary deed, story, or transformation. That's what the word means. When you say Shazam, you are, you are using it in a way to introduce an extraordinary deed, a st extraordinary story or an extraordinary transformation. I don't know if there's any other better word right now to talk about what the Spirit of God did on the day of Pentecost and what transpired um, when it came to the, the 12 disciples and the others that were with them because we gotta go back about, I don't know, 40 days-ish where the Spirit of, where Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem, 
wait around in Jerusalem because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. I'm going to send you the promise. And when that comes, then Shazam, Jesus didn't really say that. I'm kind of using a little conjecture here. Shazam, something's going to take place. And of those 500, 120 people gathered in that upper room and they begin to call out to God. They're in the place of prayer. They're in the place of worship. And all of a sudden something extraordinary took place. An event took place, a story took place, a transformation took place that forever changed the face of the early church. Now again, you have to understand that even prior to Jesus telling them, I want you to know a few days prior when Jesus was in the tomb that these people, these men and women were hiding, specifically the 12 people closest to Jesus. They were hiding. John chapter 20 tells us in verse number 12, excuse me, verse 19, that they were hiding. Why were they hiding? Because they saw what happened to their rabbi, what happened to their teacher, and they were scared that the same thing was going to happen to them. And they didn't know what to do. All they knew is they needed to hide out, they needed to lay low, and maybe things will kind of calm, calm down a little bit. And at the same time, they didn't know what they were going to do, what, what was going to be next, where they were going to go, what was the next part of their journey. And so you've got a group of people living in fear. 40 days later, they're in the upper room. The spirit of God comes upon them. And all of a sudden, these people that were once hiding from the known world, they went out from that room and they begin to proclaim the goodness and the grace of God. And thousands of people come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Shazam. Transformation. The people, I mean, wrap your head around this. Peter, if you study scriptures at all, this is a loud mouth that just says whatever comes to his mind. Some of you are like, well, I just say whatever comes to your mind. I'm gonna speak the spirit of stewardship over your words in the name of Jesus because sometimes you don't need to say everything that comes to your mind. But Peter felt he, need, he needed to. Jesus is like, y'all are gonna abandon me. And he's like, I will never abandon you. And the guy that spoke up first, Jesus is like, you're gonna deny me three times. And Peter's thinking, why did I open my big mouth one more time? And so every time he does, he seems to get himself into trouble. But something happened on the day of Pentecost when the spirit of God filled his life. Instead of opening up his mouth in offense and screaming at people, instead of, of ripping people apart, instead of being reactionary, something takes place in this man where boldness, boldness, a month and a half earlier, he was hiding from a servant girl. He was hiding from other people that, thought, that he thought they recognized him. He stands staunch in his somewhat of a pulpit, so to speak, and he proclaims the goodness of God. If you need that type of transformation in your life, where maybe you're like the disciples, maybe you've got a lot of fears that are going on, you've got a lot of worries going on, you've got a lot of wonderings about what the future may hold for your life or what the future holds for this culture. If you're wondering, man, is there any hope ahead of what's, well, what you're facing right now? You are a candidate for the presence of the Lord to come into your life and to do this Shazam moment, to begin to do extraordinary deeds through you, to begin to give you an extraordinary story that you could not have done on your own and to give you an extraordinary transformation that will make you look, it may look less like you, but it's going to look a lot more like Jesus. The spirit of God is on the move and he wants to transform. So today, today's going to be Shazam number, part one. 
Shazam part one. Uh, I want to talk over the next, this week and next week about the transformation that the Spirit of God brings in our lives. Now, Acts chapter uh, two, verses one through four, um, we've got the story of the day of Pentecost. The Spirit of God comes in the room and they begin to speak in other tongues and as the Spirit of God enables them. Verse five says, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. And the sound of the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing, talking about the people in the room, speaking their own language and they were amazed and astonished saying, are, the, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of our own native languages? Parthens, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phygra, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visits to Rome. And I'm very proud of myself for pronunciations there. Uh, both Jews and proselytes, uh, Cretans, Arabians. And here we, them, we, we hear them telling in, their own, in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Verse 13, but others mocking them said they are filled with new wine. In other words, these people are drunk out of their minds. These people are nuts and they've had too much to drink. They've been sipping something during church and they're out of their minds. Now, let me show you verse, verse 13. Now, verse 13 and 14, they're, they're literally right after each other. If they're not right after each other in your Bible, something's wrong with your Bible, okay? Um, but some of you see a little bit of a gap between because you've got a section marker that's put in there. And the reason why there's a section marker is because there are two locations between verse number 14 and, excuse me, verse 13 and verse 14. So verse 13, they're talking about how drunk they are. Verse 14, we've got Peter on the south steps. Let me actually show you. I've got pictures from my Israel trip. Um, I feel like I'm showing a slideshow here. I want to show you the upper room. This is what the upper room looks like. Um, it's a little bit dark, so you can't even see some of, uh, some of our people from K-First with us, but this is what the upper room is like. 120 people worshiping God, praising God, and they are jammed into this upper room. It is not a big room whatsoever. For those that have gone with us, you know it's decent size, but it's just not a lot of room. There is no social distancing in the upper room. Then the next verse is this is, is a place where we call the south steps on the outside of the, four, of the four walls of Jerusalem. These are the steps that Peter would have stood up and begin to proclaim the goodness of God. So verse 13 is inside, verse 14 is outside. What does Peter say? I love this, verse 14. Standing with the 11, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, give he ear to my words, for these people are not drunk as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day. In other words, it's only nine o'clock. And Peter's like, there's no way people can be drunk at nine o'clock. And I would say, oh, contrary, I've got friends in high school. <laughs> They'll test that. They've tested that theory. But what I love about even just showing you the pictures is because verse 13, they're describing what's happening inside. Verse 14 they are outside. That may not seem like it's a big deal or a big transition or something that needs to be preached about for the past three minutes or so, but there is an important detail I want you to get. And it's this, the upper room wasn't meant to form a spiritual clique, but to empower a missional people. The upper room, the experience, 
experience of the upper room was not meant to form a spiritual clique for which they all stay inside and they worship together and they encourage each other and they enjoy each other's fellowship and each other's friendship. It was not meant to just contain it. It was not meant to be a jail cell. It was meant to be a place to empower missional people to go outside the four walls of the church. We're not meant to be contained in here. We breathe into you on Sunday. We pour into you on Sunday. We, we worship together on Sunday. We pray together on Sunday. But it's not just to simply fill you up to make you feel full. We want to encourage you. We want to challenge you so that the Spirit of God gets up inside of our bones and we head out from the church and we become a missional people. We cannot be people that live in verse 14 because we have to be people that live in, excuse me, verse 13. We have to be a people that live in verse 14. J.I. Packer says this, a great theologian says, the church is the supernatural society of God's redeemed. We are a supernatural society. We are empowered, uh, a Shazam, society of people that have been redeemed by God, which means that we don't live as, as though we just belong to this culture, that we belong to this world. We belong to Christ and we are a people of God. So therefore we've got to live in such a way outside of these four walls that shows that we are the supernatural society of God's redeemed. In fact, I wrote it this way. If your Acts 2 does not reach ground level, I would strongly be concerned about its legitimacy. Let me say that again. If our Acts 2 experiences, if our experiences with the Holy Spirit, if our experiences with the presence of God doesn't reach practical levels of our daily lives, I question the legitimacy of what we actually encountered that day that Sunday in that devotional time. Because when you look at Acts chapter two, Acts chapter two verses one through four is fantastic. But if verse 14 doesn't happen, the rest of the book of Acts doesn't happen. Because the spirit of God doesn't wanna contain us in one location. He, 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 we encounter him and he sends us out into the people around us. In fact, I said it this way, God filled you with the spirit, not to keep you a, not, not to keep you a secret, but to put you into circulation. Man, God has brought us together to be a clique of, of God-redeemed people. There's an old hymn. I think it's one of the worst hymns out there. It's called Hold the Fort. Most of you have never even heard of it. Some of you that have heard of it, you've never even sang it. It just sat in the hymnal. But the idea is this, is that we just hold the fort. We just stick together and everything's just gonna be all right. I'm here to tell you that that is not how the world gets set right. The world doesn't get set right for, by us simply just praying for them and people need our prayer. But the world gets set right when you and I, redeemed of the Lord, we walk out in the power of the Spirit and we begin to take that which we receive from Jesus and we live it out practically in the world around us. I've had, people, I've had people apologize to me when they talk about the Holy Spirit. I know this sounds practical, I'm sorry about that, but I'm here to tell you that if your walk with God is not practical, you're missing out in your walk with God. You're missing out. The Spirit of God wants to sink down inside of your living, your breathing, your work life, your school life, your, your family life, your marital life. He wants, to, he, wants to, he wants it to bleed over into everything, that everything about us is transformed. And one of the immediate byproducts I love in the book of Acts, one of the immediate byproducts that we see is boldness. Today, I'm just gonna set on boldness. Next week, we're gonna talk, talk about being led and walking by the Spirit. We're gonna get into Galatians a little bit next week, but I wanna talk about boldness because it is one of the most immediate byproducts of the Spirit of God. And I wanna encourage you today that if you let the Spirit of God touch your life, God will make you bold. And your boldness can be somebody else's breakthrough.
Your boldness, walking in the spirit of God, operating the spirit of God, can be somebody else's breakthrough. Your boldness in praying for people, your boldness in encouraging people, your boldness in giving them a word that God has laid upon your heart, your boldness in speaking up, and your, your boldness sometimes in quieting down. Your boldness can be somebody else's breakthrough. And that's what we see in the book of Acts. In fact, this book itself is all about boldness. When the spirit of God was working in a life, when God was at the center of, of somebody's life, People were bold. Boldness is Noah building an ark. Boldness is Abraham putting Isaac on the altar. Boldness is Moses saying to Pharaoh, let my people go. Boldness is Joshua commanding the sun to stand still. Boldness is Benaniah chasing a lion into a pit on a snowy day. Boldness is David charging Goliath with a slingshot. Boldness is Nathan rebuking David, the same David, for adultery. Boldness is Elijah challenging the 450 prophets of Baal. Boldness is Esther entering the king's court uninvited. Boldness is Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den, and boldness is three Hebrew boys that refuse to bow their knee to an idol and to face a fiery furnace. Boldness is what consumes this. And I'm wondering if that's something that God wants to breathe into us today. It's not a church that will cower and wring their hands saying, what is this world come to? But a people that will stand up in the boldness of the spirit and to say, this is Jesus. Look at what has come to this world. To be a people, spirit-filled, walking in boldness. In fact, I would say that, that when we look at Jesus, we see the epitome of boldness. If you look at even the baptism, the baptism of Jesus, when he was baptized in water, it says in Matthew chapter three, that immediately the spirit descended as a dove and we begin to see him step into a boldness. We saw Jesus, he was bold in offending Pharisees. It's fun offending Pharisees. Bold as touching lepers, bold befriending sinners. He was bold throwing money changers out of the temple. He was bold healing people on the Sabbath. He was bold praying for those that persecuted him. He was bold forgiving those that immediately just crucified him. So if you ever want to see what bold looks like, your boldness should not look like anybody else other than the person of Jesus Christ. And I believe just even watching Jesus and watching that when he was baptized and the spirit of God came upon him and we see him begin to move on his ministry, we, I, under, I want you to understand something, that boldness is that byproduct of the spirit of God moving in your life. That's what we see in Peter right here. Boldness consumes this man. Verse 14, standing with the 11, I love, the 11 made the loud mouth speak. And he sp spoke up and he's like, men of Judah, all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known and give ear to my, wor ear to my words. These people are not drunk as he supposed. It's only nine in the morning, the third hour of the day. But this is what is uttered through the prophet Joel. In the last days, it shall be, God declares, I will pour my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will see dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in heavens and above, signs on earth below, blood, fire, uh, vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes and great and magnificent the day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love it. We're not going to spend time reading the rest of his address to the people. People are captivated by what? They're captivated by the boldness of the one that used to hide in shame and fear. So if you're taking notes, there's two things, two things about being bold this morning. I just want to breathe into you. Two things is number one. Number one, the first thing about boldness. Boldness is living your life undefended. 
living life undefended. The first thing I noticed about Peter in Acts chapter two is he lived life, he had a boldness about living life unoffended. Why do I say unoffended? Because immediately they took a shot at the legitimacy of what was taking place in the room. They've been drinking too much. Somebody brought, some, somebody brought a different spirits into the room and that's what they were consumed with. And instead of getting out and taking shots at what people are saying, Peter has a transformation. Instead of being a reactionary that he always was, he begins to be a responder. And that, beca- that is because of the transformation of the spirit of God. Man, instead of being offended by what people are going to say, instead of being offended by what people were, were stirring up, instead of the rumors that were kind of like stirring up over what was taking place, he didn't walk out and get offended. He didn't walk out and post about it. He didn't walk out and take shots at everybody else. He got up and he began to declare, this is who Jesus is. We need a new baptism of the Spirit of God upon the church where we can stop being so offended by the things around us and start walking the boldness of just declaring who God is. And I think some of us are spending so much energy moving this way at offenses that we have sacrificed our vision. We've sacrificed future. We've sacrificed the fruit of the Spirit because we're so busy trying to put out fires, not recognizing we're supposed to be a people not easily offended. See, offenses, offenses are going to come your way. If you don't believe me, you, didn't, you slept all the way through the political season. <laughs> offenses will come your way. But I want you to understand that just because offenses come your way doesn't mean you've got to pick them up. Things will come your way. Peter just simply says, we're not drunk. This is what's going on. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of address that, but let me address the greater issue at hand. God is on the move. I love what Levi Lusco says. He's one of my favorite preachers. He says, when, when you are difficult to offend, you are easy to bless. And I wonder if we have a hard time being the blessed people of God and we can't grasp onto the blessings of God because we're so busy grabbing onto the offenses around us. We are so wrapped up in offense. Peter, I love that he barely even addresses it because he knows there are greater things to move on to. There are greater things to focus in on, that there is a kingdom that must be proclaimed. Some of us are so busy trying to redeem our own names. You know what? Let's set aside our own name and let's go after the name of Jesus. Let's let's hide the name of Jesus. And let's be a people that are people that are determined to be unoffendable. Pastor, that means you never get offended. Listen, I'm a human being. There are things sometimes... I have to deal with the offense, but I have to remember, offenses will come my way, but it is my decision whether or not I want to pick it up or not. They come and they go. I've got to decide. And I've determined that we've got to be a people that are not going to allow seeds of bitterness to creep in. We're not going to allow the anger to grow. I love what Rene Descartes says. He says, whenever anybody has offended me, I try to raise my soul so high that offense cannot reach it. There's something transformative that took place in the Apostle Peter that was so much not like the Peter that everybody knew for the previous three and a half years. And a transformation absolutely took place. What took place? The Spirit of God came in and and they get to this place where he lifted up his soul so high that offense cannot reach it. And if we're living in such a constant state of offense, our sideways energy will perpetually rob our forward energy. So we've got to be unoffendable. Secondly, boldness is not just choosing 
to not go after the bait and be unoffendable, but I believe that boldness is all about living unashamed. So we're just write down those two words, unoffendable and unashamed, that God is calling us to be a people that are unashamed. You see, in a world of political correctness, we tend to sacrifice biblical correctness. Let me say that again. In a world of political correctness, we tend to sacrifice biblical correctness. In a time of needed spirit empowerment, we tend to trust in self-reliance. Now, I need you to hear my heart with this though, because I've had people, I've had some of the nastiest comments to me made in the light of biblical correctness. If you wanna know what biblical correctness looks like, biblical correctness should not make us lousy human beings, but loving souls. You wanna know what biblical correctness looks like? I'll give you a nice little filter for biblical correctness. Does it make you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength? And does it make you love one another as you love yourself? And when you get to that place, you know you're living in a route of biblical correctness. And that should not make us in the lousy human beings, but loving souls. And so living unashamed, listen to this, living unashamed, it's not about how loud you are. You're like, pastor, you're loud right now, I know. But being biblically correct and, and being unashamed about what the scriptures say, being unashamed about who Jesus is, being unashamed about the work of the spirit of God in your life, it's not about your loudness. It is all about the intentionality of your life. Your life, when it comes to boldness, should be unashamed. That's the boldness. And it's not about loudness. It's not about how quirky you are with your words. It's not about how snappy your comebacks are. Boldness and being unashamed is all about how we live. Let me tell you this. Boldness is about assisting people in need. Boldness is being unashamed to pray for the healing of the sick. Boldness is unashamed to helping lead those that were in captivity to sin to liberty in Jesus. Boldness is offering forgiveness to those who have hurt you the most. Boldness is standing up to religious spirits in order to give them freedom. Boldness is being quick to listen and slow to speak. Boldness is transforming relationships through reconciliation. Boldness is loving others that people want you to hate. Boldness is blessing people who, do, who could do nothing for you. Boldness is speaking life when all you see is darkness. Boldness is championing the orphan and blessing the widow. Boldness is choosing hope when there's no earthly reason for hope. Boldness is making an impact in life without any notoriety or worry about recognition. Boldness is feeding the hungry stomach and the starving soul. And boldness is taking up your cross and following Jesus. That's what being ashamed is all about. That's what following Jesus is all about. It's having boldness. And being ashamed doesn't mean you have to be a jerk, but it does mean that you have to step forward full of the spirit power ready to do what God has called you to do and how do we have a bold impact Shazam we get into the room where the spirit of God is moving so that he can begin to transform our story into his story where he can begin to transform our lives to show more of his life where he can begin to transform us so that the deeds we do are not deeds that are done by our own power, by our own might, but deeds done by the Spirit of God. And so getting into the room with God is not about self-discovery, it's about spirit empowerment. And life takes on a new dimension when we allow the Spirit of God to do his deepest work.
This morning, it's time to get bold. It's time to get bold. What's boldness today? Boldness is living life undefended. Like, how is that boldness? I'm here to tell you that with what the world hands us as far as boldness, as far as offense, it takes boldness to not get offended. It takes boldness to take a stand for what's right. It takes boldness just to not to take the bait and to get into that one more argument. It takes boldness to lay aside what you feel is your rights to get even with somebody with what what somebody else has said about you. It takes boldness to be a better listener than a speaker. It takes boldness to to live that way. I also believe it takes boldness to live unashamed. To step forward in the power of the Spirit and begin to speak when nobody else wants to speak. To begin to pray when no one else will pray. To begin to, 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 begin to, to reach out when nobody else will reach out without recognition, without worry. Because what, what God wants to do in our life is nothing that we can do on our own. We need His presence and we need His power and we need His transformation. You need to come back for part two of this message next week when we talk about being led by the Spirit of God. When we talk about walking in the Spirit of God. We're going to dive a little bit further into, into Galatians. You need to come back next week. But my challenge for you this week is to jump into boldness and say, Spirit of God, would you just make me bold? Would you bow your heads with me? Spirit of God, I ask that you would do a work in our people. That you would just make us a bold people. Lord, in a world of offense, in a world of chaos, in a world where there seems to be tripwires and bait around us that wants to suck us into arguments and it sucks us into warfare with one another, with, uh, with other believers, with other people, God, in a world where it just seems it's so emotionally and verbally violent. God, I pray that you would help us to be a people that are bold, God, that we would be like Lord, I think of Peter on the day of Pentecost, instead of taking the bait, of being able to stand up in the face of that and to proclaim the transformative work of the Spirit of God. And not just to proclaim it, but to invite others to be a part of it. Help us to be a people that are unoffendable. I don't know who that word is for this morning, God. Lord, I speak into hearts this morning that have been walking in offense. They're tired and they're weary. They're so tired and they're weary, God. It has soured their hearts toward human beings around them. God, I pray right now that you would do a healing work on hearts. And Lord, the heart of my message, Lord, I want people to grasp is, Lord, help us to be a people that are unashamed. God, that we would not sacrifice, God, who you are and what you have revealed, God, on the altar of political correctedness, God, Lord. I don't want to be a people that just are looking to annihilate human beings and individuals, God, Lord. But I want to be a people that look and act like you, Jesus, to be a missional people. So Spirit of God, I ask right now that you would just visit us, God, just divinely visit us and breathe upon us. If you're here here today in person or you're watching online, could you you just put yourself in a posture of prayer? Uh, And what we do at K-First is we just kind of hold our hands out in front of us. Could we just hold our hands out in front of us and say, Spirit of God, just come into my life. Holy Spirit, come into my life. 
Make me unashamed. Make me bold. For the next opportunity that comes my way where there is a need, help me to be bold. For the next broken person that crosses my path, help me to be unoffendable, help me to be, help me to be bold, and help me to be unashamed. Speak life. For the next hurt individual, God, where we may want to say something, God, help us, Holy Spirit, to be bold in our listening skills, to listen to, to what their heart says. Make us bold. Holy Spirit, when we're, in our, when we're in a store or we're in a school, as we're talking with individuals in our neighborhood, God, Holy Spirit, help us to sense a need that's there. Maybe it's encouragement. Maybe it's some sort of edification. Holy Spirit, maybe you give us something to say to them, Lord. I pray for unashamed boldness. And I pray, Lord, where, where we might have been passive in the past, where we might have been quiet in the past, where we might have shied away from that moment in the past. Holy Spirit, I pray that that, that Shazam moment, that transformation moment would happen where the person that, that used to walk away thinking, I'll just give thoughts and prayers about that. I pray that, Lord, we will see such transformation where Spirit of God in that moment, we will speak out that encouraging word that, I, Lord, I believe will meet them in a moment. Or when we hear about a need, that we won't pray for somebody else to meet that need. Lord, we hold our hands out as if to say, God, we open up our lives. God, utilize us. Spirit of God, mobilize us. That we would be more than just a clique, a spirit-filled people in one room. That we would become the upper room where you move through us, God. That we would begin to see us move out like the church did in Acts chapter 2 and 3. All the way to Acts chapter 28. Where you mobilize the church to hit the highways and the byways of life, God, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Spirit of God, our lives are open to you. Make us a missional people. Fill us the capacity with your presence. Mobilize us to be your church, your people. Stretch us and challenge us. Correct us where we need to be corrected. Lord, I pray for people right now that are holding on to offenses. Lord, I keep going back to this, Lord. I pray right now, God, that you would just release people in the name of Jesus right now from the bondages of offense. Release people from fear that have shut their mouths and shut up their lives, God. God, let us be a people that walk with that simple byproduct of the Spirit of God. Let our lives be marked with a boldness, ready to be another Simon Peter, ready to be another 120 people, that we receive the Spirit of God and we literally go out into a culture to see transformation that's not done by our might, nor by our own power, but by the Spirit. Lord, that's our desire. That's our heart. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.